Welcome to the Gatecast. Presented by Alan and Mike. Lucy, I'm home. I am not Lucy. Oh, you're right. We'll just upload a computer virus into the mothership. I was going to do my living room like this. Hello, good evening and welcome to Gatecast episode 216 and we're joined by an occasional guest. Indeed we are. It's me Thomas once again. Welcome to the show Thomas. This was an episode you requested. This isn't public service announcement. It is a hint everybody. If you fancy doing an episode of Stargate Atlantis or Stargate SG-1 that we'll be covering in the next few months, drop us a line and we'll sort something out. Thomas gave us a list of episodes that he fancied doing, and uh, even though we're time zone quite a ways away, we're managing <laughs> to work it all out. Yeah, we've recorded with people that are further away. But yeah. yeah, just imagine though, you know, a few years ago, we're going to record some audio with one person in England, one person in Finland, and one person in America, and you know, how? That would be an interesting mix. As it is right now, what, we're about six to eight hours apart? We are respectively six and eight hours apart. The response to that is both. Yeah, back in the day, international phone calls, tape recorders, <laughs> it just wouldn't have been done. Ah, like those fake interviews which were done for Dr. Strangelove, where basically they would send the reporters a series of questions and then film with suitable pauses one of the actors answering the questions. That's done now. Is it? Yeah, when you have an interview that's going to go to dozens of uh, news agencies... They have a bloke asking an actor or a politician questions. They leave, like you said, they leave pause and whatnot, so the host broadcaster can fill in whatever they need. I'm impatiently waiting for Newsroom to come back, but there isn't a date for season three yet. So I've been trying to inculcate other people into watching it. Living by proxy, are we? I like the Newsroom. It's one of my favourite shows. If I get thoroughly bored waiting for Newsroom, and given that I'm going through an average about five episodes of Vampire Diaries a day, I may rewatch The West Wing from the beginning, because I believe that's on Netflix US. I believe so, and that was actually a pretty good series, the little bits I saw. Not a show you can watch little bits of. Well, true. I did watch the episode where, I can't remember who it was that died, but they had the funeral there at the uh, National Cathedral. And I was like, I've been there, I sang there. Yeah. I watched West, West, Wing, West Wing. I watched The West Wing right through when it appeared on... Was it Channel 4 or E4 in the UK? About seven years worth, wasn't it? I'd say it was on at the same time as ER, but ER ran for something like 18 seasons, so a lot of things were on at the same time as ER. Channel 4 tended to air them back to back. I never bothered with ER. I like hospital programs. With your background, I would expect it. What? The doctoring-like. You enjoy mm. any medical-type stuff. I know, we're near a doctor, yes. I did actually randomly encounter two people from Cork today. Apparently my university is having an international week. Not that they bothered to tell us. I was coming out from the lobby after a joyful three-and-a-half-hour Friday morning lecture, and I heard an Irish accent, and I was like, Oi, you. As I kindly pointed out to them, Cork is currently underwater. <laughs> I would say it was raining, but the number of days it doesn't rain in Cork could probably be counted on the fingers of one hand in a given year. I'm irritated by the Twitter, which keeps notifying me that blah and blah are talking about 
I'm thinking, I don't want notifications. All I want, the only notifications I want is where I'm actually at it in a tweet. And I try to turn everything else off and it's still telling me these things. Same as with Facebook. But Twitter never used to tell me people were talking about things. It just told me when someone at it or if I requested notifications, it gave me notifications for that. They are expanding its functionality. It's the official Twitter client I've got on my uh, Kindle Fire. Exactly. They want you to see them things. They want you to see the adverts and everything. Yeah. Because I popped the Kindle Fire and it goes, Gatecast, 43 new notifications. Really? Talking about... Well, when they're talking about sci-fi and genre television, that's not a bad thing, is it? Yay, new Lost Girl Sunday. And I suppose you're current, Thomas? Um, actually, I've not watched any of Lost Girl. Gasp. Vampire Diaries? No, I've not started watching it yet. It gets good after about episode 38 or so. Uh, the only um, series kind of like that is Teen Wolf, and I'm behind by about a season now. Oh, that's okay, because there was such a huge delay between the first and second half of season three that most people haven't bloody clue what's going on. I haven't seen any of season three. When I started watching season three about three weeks ago, I was like, who's that? What the hell's going on? I haven't seen this in about a year. Who is this person? Yeah. A few episodes are probably accrued. Mm-hmm. I can sit down and burn through another three or four. So you haven't seen Sleepy Hollow, you haven't seen Almost Human, you haven't seen The Tomorrow People. Nope, I haven't seen any of those. I'm catching up on old shows, you know. I'm watching some uh, Farscape as it is right now. Well, of course, I'm doing that on Stargate as well, because it's the Farscape gate, guys. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, we haven't seen Claudia for a while. Oh, she's around, I'm sure. I have a sink full of Delph. You've got a what? i got a sink full of Delph. Okay. Which has accrued slowly, and I'm at the point where I need to wash stuff, otherwise I won't have anything to eat off. On that slightly disturbing note. Hi, I'm Ian. And I'm Jonathan. And I'm Rem, inviting you to join us for the Sci-Fi Movie Podcast, a weekly review and exploration of the sci-fi movies that we all love. Ever wonder why Stanley Kubrick removed A Clockwork Orange from distribution in the UK? Why did Ridley Scott's Alien have no eyes? Or who's the better dread, Sylvester Stallone or Carl Urban? Judgment time. And why do I hate The Fifth Element so much? Um... Really? Don't even get me started. Follow us on Facebook at Sci-Fi Movie Podcast. The Sci-Fi Movie Podcast. Subscribe in iTunes or visit our website at scifimoviepodcast.com. Hmm. Is Mike and Max a single Twitter account? Yeah, commentary track stars. I follow them on my account. They did an Andromeda episode and I says, yeah, listen to that because we did an Andromeda episode earlier on. Are we suitably queued at zero 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 on a blank screen? Indeed. Yep. Right. Three, two, one. Clicky. Unscheduled off-world activation. Huh. That's, how often does Walter get the first line? Not often. Even if it is stock Walter. And what's Doctor Lamb doing in the control room? Ah, oh, she's bored. <laughs> how was that? <laughs> Come on, Walter, this is your job. This is your only job. Yeah. Gate technician. Open the iris. You're not supposed to say to the general, I don't know. Oh, well, that's a nice shot, isn't it? That's not a shot they use very often, is it? <laughs> I like the black uniforms. Yeah, very smart. Mm-hmm. There was nothing on your end? Nothing out of the ordinary to account for what we heard? No, sir, it was perfectly routine. We just dialed the gate and stepped through. Gate diagnostics showed no irregularities. See, at this point, yeah. do you remember being suspicious? 
Not at this point, no. No. Because we've seen them wear the black uniforms before. As the correct people. The standard miracles healed the sick, cured the blind, and passed out the usual literature. The natives are easy pickings. They feel as though they were abandoned by their god, Amaterasu, and now. Oh. Ah, the first clue. You said Amaterasu. According to the background file, P4R was once under Ball's control. Yeah. I mean, Daniel probably wrote the report, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's a bit strange. PX7455, I believe you have the wrong report. What? Anyway, the Tok'ra have been monitoring the inroads that the Ori have been making in the region for quite some time. According to Selmak, they are taking advantage of the relationships between... Did you just say Selmak? Selmak, <laughs> again. <laughs> Something's going on here. Yeah. Selmak is dead. Da, da, da. That's definitely a shock to him. Uh, yeah, <laughs> a surprise. Selmak and Jacob are very much alive. Off-world activation. <laughs> My dad's dead. Let's see. This is going to be a bad day for you, Walter. <laughs> Chief? It's SD1's IDC, sir. This is when they were originally scheduled to come back. Defense team, stand by. They really are. Why? If they're not really SG1, just leave the arrows short. They've got the right code. So? And do we always have the entire squad in there? With green uniforms, so we can differentiate. Yes. <laughs> Let's not worry about that. As they pointed out, wasn't anybody in the control room saying, hang on a minute, you went to the planet in green and you came back in black? That was my exact thought. <laughs> well, they have backpacks, you know. You spare uniforms with them. You never know. So uniforms of a different color? Yeah. That was actually covered in the commentary. They pointed out that, well, you don't know how long they've been gone. You don't know what gate personnel was actually in the gate when they left. It's not always going to be Walter or the general. So they fudged it a bit. And truth be told, we can get a little bit too picky at times. Yes, I actually did say that. <laughs> right then, ripple effect. Season 9, episode 13 of Stargate SG-1, Gatecast episode 216. The episode was directed by Peter DeLuise. The story was by Brad Wright and it was written by Joseph Malozzi and Paul Mully. It had its premiere in the US January the 20th, 2006. We got it in the UK January the 24th. The Canadians February the 2nd. The French May the 6th. Japanese May the 7th, 2007. And the Swedes October the 28th. And only one episode from a series with the same name. Black. And we're back. According to the tests I've run, they're both SG-1. Identical in every way. How's that possible? Well, we know Ball's able to produce adult clones of himself. Presumably he could do the same with our people, given samples of their DNA. <laughs> clones. Yeah. yeah. Big clue, really. Well, I assume they checked that they went robots right off the bat. Yes, I would have thought so. They went into really deep interrogation. Are you the real SG-1? Yes. Damn. <laughs> you know, the first team was making some pretty wild claims about people in past events. The commentary track, which was Joseph Malozzi and visual effects producer Michelle Commons, they actually said there was a lot of confusion on the set because, well, obviously, the, a dozen different SG-1 variants and having different uniforms did help matters. I'm sure it was fun with the green screening. Yeah. Hmm. The planet they claimed to have gated in from, the locals there swore they'd never laid eyes on us. So, this other team is lying. Well, not necessarily, sir. It's possible that they did get in from PX7, just not the PX7 that we know. The multiverse theory of quantum physics posits the existence of parallel universes, an infinite number of ever-growing alternate realities that exist concurrently with our own. The theory holds that anything that can happen will happen, 
If not in this reality, then in another. So you're saying that somewhere in an alternate universe, I got to second base with Amy Pandenberg? Theoretically, yes. Boggles the mind, don't it? This story was originally conceived by Brad Wright about two years previously. In the middle of the shooting of season nine, they needed a bottle episode. As we know, that's just mm -hmm. the main cast and existing sets. And so this idea was dug out. Just something to fill the gap. Yep. <laughs> now, while it may feel immediate, the journey between gates is not instantaneous. It takes on average 0 0.3 seconds travel time. However, according to the gate diagnostics, the travel time for the other SG-1 team clocked in at 3.4 seconds, suggesting a significantly longer trip. Just look happy about that. <laughs> what you need here is someone like Jack to go, what? <laughs> Carter, English. <laughs> yes. Little letters, please. Hmm. 0 0.3 seconds, that's pretty instantaneous in my opinion. It is, isn't it? Hmm. I mean, I think in the movie it was about five seconds, wasn't it? Yeah. And in episode one, they emerged covered in ice. Yeah. Yeah, well, <laughs> they dropped that idea pretty damn quick. Yeah. <laughs> that and being flung out of the gate. Yeah. Yeah, I got nothing. How often does Sam say that? <laughs> they even got rid of the gate shaking by claiming they put suppressors on it. That was a nice little kind of a bit of an in-joke. Went to Michael and said to him, what coffee does uh, your character drink? <laughs> he basically says, hell, I don't know. <laughs> so they just made one up. Of course you don't. Within reason. I'm thinking one of two possible scenarios. A, Carter's right and you're from an alternate universe, in which case we'll do everything we can to get you back home. Or B, you're not who you say you are. In which case, we need to find out what you're really after. Actually, there's a third scenario. See, you're not who you say you are, and it's up to us to find out what you're after. Ooh. <laughs> At this point, you know, we don't know, do we? Yeah, plausible. It's one of those episodes that you really want to be watching for the first time. I like this episode. Well, there's no evil chin hair you know that's the clue always no, no but there is Kowalski yeah there is Kowalski later on yep <laughs> Kowalski I must have missed Kowalski I watched it last night I didn't see Kowalski <laughs> you're telling me that somehow the gate sent us through to a parallel universe even though we know it's not supposed to work like that and yet here you are yes the gate can do amazing things when the uh, plot requires it mm -hmm. six years ago wake up on what they think is the SGC. Turns out they're not really on Earth and it's all part of an elaborate Gould plot. Pegasus Galaxy. Last year. A team from the Atlantis base gates through to what they think is the SGC. Turns out they're not really on Earth. It's another planet. And they're being manipulated by aliens. Let me put your mind at ease. We are neither the Gould nor manipulative aliens. <laughs> yes, there is precedent. Yep. They're not even subtle about yeah. referencing other episodes here, are they? Yeah. Normally it's little Easter eggs for the, for the eagle-eyed fan to spot. Here they're just plastering them on the screen right in front of you. And then all Jafar were united under our new leader, Raytag. Raytag? Really? That, that, that hasn't happened here yet. Raytag. If only. It's pretty awesome. Right, along with Colonel Mitchell, myself, and eventually Colonel Carter, who rejoined following her. Following her honeymoon. What? Ooh. <laughs> Come on, who? Who? Ask the question. Ask the question. Honeymoon? Indeed. 
Indeed. <laughs> if anything deserves them, indeed, that does. <laughs> so who did she marry? Yeah. Well, that should be obvious. Um, well, is it? Well, one would hope. They actually planned to have a scene where they had alternate Sam and alternate Cameron in relationship in this episode. If it happened in our reality, there's a good chance it could happen in ours as well. They destroyed Chulak, Dakara, most of the Jaffa strongholds. It's only a matter of time before they attack Earth. You have to find a way to get us back. I'm working on it. I've been going over the gate diagnostics. And? There was an unidentifiable energy spike just prior to your arrival. I mean, you know how these shots are done. Mm-hmm. You know, a body double, over-the-shoulder shots. But it works so well. Yep. Mm-hmm. And yet when your team went back to the planet, no one recognized you. Now that suggests that our point of departure was definitely in our universe. So whatever happened had to have happened between the time you stepped through the gate on your end and the time you stepped through the gate on this end. I mean, considering when we get the the full screenshots, half a dozen different Sams walking about, a mixture of motion control, green screen work. It may be intended to be a bottle episode, but there's a lot of time and effort gone into it. Then is it conceivable something else could have affected the wormhole? What could possibly exert that kind of influence on a subspace matter stream? A black hole. Yeah, I know what you're going to say before you say it. I think there's a line later on about the Carters. The source of the phenomenon to a precise window, specifically the interim journey between the two gates. Did she just say we? Pardon me? She said we. You said we? Ah, uh, me and myself, I suppose. The, the other, Samantha Carter. Right, finally someone who can keep up with you, huh? <laughs> yeah, twice the characters, twice the fun. I love this. Wee wee. Yeah, this gets terribly Freudian. The black hole that was created when we destroyed the Ori beachhead. Exactly. Now, I'm theorizing that as they bisected the singularity, subspace was ruptured, creating a rift in the space-time continuum that brought that SG-1 into this universe. Who at the base took the time to put together this presentation? She probably did. In her multiple selves. One more stupid question. Oh, so yours was fine. Mine is stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Again, a little improvisation there of my Ben as well. As far as I know, the deviation was one way and specific to that particular wormhole. However, just to be on the safe side, I would suggest that we reroute all gate travel around the singularity for the time being. Unscheduled off-world activation. (laughs) Oh dear. Well, at least Gary Jones is getting plenty of screen time. What do you have for me now, Walter? Sir, it's SG-1's IDC again. Again. (laughs) If another team comes through, they'd just be stranded like the first one. Receiving radio transmission. Let's hear it. Target command, this is Mitchell. What's the hold We got a situation here. Sir, if we don't open the iris. Target command, do you read? Defense teams. There are a number of scenes where the team came through the gate and twice. Ben came rushing through. First time he said Frel. <laughs> Second time he said Frack. <laughs> Wait for it. What the hell's going on? Now these guys I'd like to know. Look at Daniel, you've got the shades on. Yeah. And Tilt carrying a big old gun. The bandana as well. Tiger striped uniforms. Look very much like the Wormhole Extreme Bunch. Mm-hmm. Was that mentioned it's... in the commentary? No. I may have underestimated its influence. It's possible the first spatial tear may have caused a ripple effect across several realities. Yay, episode title. 
<laughs> Always handy when you can include the episode title. ...their gate travel to this universe. You think? Any wormhole passing close enough to the black hole is being drawn into the singularity and rerouted here. So you're telling me that we're the hub? The convergence point, yes, sir. I always admire the Steadicam guy who's filming this. Yeah, walking backwards. <laughs> yeah. Inform all off-world teams to proceed to the Alpha site. Until further notice, gate travel to and from Stargate Command will be suspended indefinitely. What if there are more teams coming in hot? Sir? I'm willing to make the occasional exception, but I'm not about to turn this base into the Grand Central Station of the Multiverse. Dismissed. How many long hallways do they have on the set? They've sort of got a circular one. <laughs> you do realise how big the standing set is for the main SGC. On the Prometheus and the Daedalus, of course, as you know, they go in a big oval. Mm. And as a result, the team we'd be most likely to have to let through. Right. Because we're special, and we get all the interesting missions. That's why everybody else hates us. Mm. Each team from each reality has dialed in from a different point of origin. No repeats. All originating from a corridor of space starting from Earth and passing within a few degrees of the singularity. Going to the same part of the galaxy? Mm -hmm. Yeah, looks like it, doesn't it? Has that happened again? No, not since the first alternate team dialed in. Any idea what it was? I'm not sure. But it reminds me of the incident Tata. on... Could you imagine if McKay was here? Yeah. <laughs> I'd be drooling. <laughs> you won't be able to get any work out of him at all. <laughs> but in this case, the wormhole is passing through a black hole. So who knows what the effect would be? I thought we could use the help. <laughs> yeah. I, I suppose two heads are better than one. Unscheduled off-world activation. Oopsie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why not bring in several more? Yeah. Oh, right. I mean, in the old days, you'd be looking for the line where the uh, two parts of the film were joined together. <laughs> and look at different uniforms, or is that the mm -hmm. same uniform? They're everywhere. Yeah, that's different. Dark camo gear. And this bunch. Yeah. If the Ori attempt to establish a second beachhead there, the Fa should give us a heads up. Are those the armbands from that one episode? Upgrade. Are those just Jafar? Yeah, upgrade. So they're all super-powered Jafar under the command of Mitchell, which is a bit unusual. You, I don't know how that came about. Puts the count of 12 teams, not including yourselves. Well, at least we're in good company. Now, this last team is a little different in terms of personnel. How so? Well, there's someone I thought you might like to talk to. Hey, hazmat suits? Yeah. <laughs> I assume... Oh, there's... Oh, that's a bad wig. Oh, dear. Daniel? Tilk, where's General O'Neill? Yes. Sure what is Fraser doing on a frontline team? Oh, she got killed off world. Well, infinite universes. Well, yeah, but she went to go help. You know, I say, in her universe, SG-1 may be a, a research team. Who cares? Daryl Roffer is back on Stargate SG-1. And she replied to the tweet as well. Bless her. This is not the Stargate command you left. We're not the Daniel and Tilk you know. You and your team gated to a parallel reality. This is an alternate SGC on an alternate Earth in an alternate universe. In our reality, Dr. Janet Fraser died two years ago. You said alternate enough. <laughs> Sixteen different SG-1s. Sixteen different points of origin, but only one point of convergence, this universe. No. And we've got Nerdy Sam as well. Mm -hmm. Actually bringing back a character. <laughs> Eating blue jello. Fan overload. <laughs> oh, and there's yeah, part with glasses. Yeah. Multiple Sam. Surely more, if multiple Sams can't solve this, it's not solvable. 
<laughs> but we haven't tried Rodney yet. May account for the absence of the uh, entropic cascade failure, but it still doesn't help us with the main problem. How do we reverse the process? I don't have the answer to that. Because if I did... <laughs> Look at that. We all wouldn't be here. Coffee? No. <laughs> you know, I can't help but think that this whole thing would be a lot easier if Hammond hadn't ordered us to destroy the quantum mirror. We could just use that to send all these teams back to their proper realities. I mean, when they did it on Battlestar, it was superb, but this was years before. <laughs> the chances of us finding the right home universe for even one of these teams is next to impossible. Excuse me, Colonel Carter. <laughs> I like the general's line here. My Colonel Carter. <laughs> here, sir. That's quite a sexy one beside them there. Wait for it. R2. Yes. You did as well. Yes. The shine. And I'm not a I'm not a werewolf hunter in this. <laughs> Hello, Samantha. I have to say, it's amazing how much the character can change with a little stubble. <laughs> yeah. I remember the mission to P3X. I was tending to a wounded airman. We came under fire. You were there. You you helped me stabilize him and got us out of there. No, I didn't. No. Things went a little differently in this universe. You were honored with a hero's funeral. Lucky me. Yes, you had a great funeral. <laughs> <laughs> you made a documentary of it. Do you want to see it? Yeah. And there's a young girl out there with your name. Your trip here was only one way. No. No, you have to find a way to get us back as soon as possible. Yes, Sam and Dr. Lee are working on something. No, you don't understand. We've been targeted by the Ori. Earth is being ravaged by a plague. Hundreds of thousands have been infected. If we don't find a cure, the entire planet will be wiped out. Yeah, but that's just one planet in billions. Isn't it nice, though, they put a sort of hint of the Ori theme in there when she mentioned it? Foreshadowing. The plague was three, four episodes ago. Nah. J.R. Bourne, as Alan said, can be seen in Teen Wolf. Two more episodes to go in the third season. But with you being on the other side of the galaxy, well, long-distance relationships can be difficult. Yeah. <laughs> Long distance, isn't it? Other side of the galaxy. <laughs> we work together. Even lived together for quite some time. Oh, isn't that nice? But in the end, things didn't work out. You're with someone else now. Damn, they're not going to tell us, are they? No, but clearly he has sex with Sam, which is the only reason he's still alive. <laughs> In the commentary, Joseph was saying that when it became known that, as he said, a beloved character would return into the series, virtually everybody online thought it was going to be Janet. Mm-hmm. He knew it was going to add Martuf as well, so he hoped when Martuf came through the door, it would be a big surprise. Except for the fact that Terrorothery's name popped up after the credit sequence, so that could have dropped any surprise. Well, that's one of the problems with the union regs on guest stars, isn't it? You've got to get special dispensation to put a guest star's name at the end of an episode. They also ended up reshooting some of Tilt scenes when he met Janet. They thought he was being a bit too emotional. Too emotional? Tilt? Yeah, a bit bizarre, isn't it? Yeah, but think of the brain power of multiple characters. A think tank all in one? Hmm. I think tank battalion. <laughs> I think that's probably the first time that phrase has been used. <laughs> And yet we're not smart enough, we still have to call in the Asgard. And then to seal the bridge between the multiverse, we have to target that point of confluence. Basically recreate the circumstances that caused the breach in the first place. But how is that possible? You said it yourself, it was a one in a billion freak incident. Well, the odds would increase significantly if we took the wormhole out of the equation. Then what happens to us? 
We'd be stranded here. They could have a SAM support group. I considered not telling you about this. I understand why you hesitated, but you made the right decision. By sealing the rupture, we'll ensure that no other teams get stranded here. Come on, there's no such thing as too many SAMs. Well, we still have one major obstacle to overcome. How do we deliver an explosive device into the singularity? We get help from a friend. Thor, buddy! That isn't Thor. It's not? No, his colouring's different. And the voice is different. Yes. I can't hear the voice over YouTube. This is, I can't remember how he pronounced it, Kibasar. If I saw it written down, I could probably pronounce it given where I live now. He's voiced by Trevor Deval, who also does Hemorrhoid. <laughs> Hemorrhoid. I love that name. <laughs> Hermiod. Hermiod, that's it. And he also does the voice of Rigel in the episode 200. Oh. Joseph and Mary. What are the odds? Less than 12%. And that is provided you are able to enact the plan before the black hole's gravity decimates your ship. Damn, that's cold. Colonel Mitchell, Colonel Carter, I'm giving you the green light. Shut this thing down. You know, I've read all the mission reports on the Asgard. They're not what I expected. What were you expecting? Well, pants for one. <laughs> yes, that's our little, little nod to when uh, John Shepard met the Asgard for the first time as well. Between the launch point and the target is crucial, and you must be precise in your calculations. I know. The slightest oversight in either the timing of the explosion or the proximity of your ship to the Singularity could result in a failed mission at best. Certain death at worst. I'm sorry, I'm having a hard time concentrating. I understand. You are tired. Allow me to complete the calibration for you. He's arrogant even for an Asgard. Yes, he was described as being smart-arsed. He's the, he's the Asgard equivalent of McKay. <laughs> To be honest, apart from Thor, you know, most of the Asgard aren't really keen on humans. Yeah. Even Loki, you know, he liked us only because we're useful. Thus fulfilling the title of Loki throughout the multiverse. <laughs> I wish there was a way I could send you home or in the very least delay the mission. So you have no choice but to do what's best for your world. I assume yours is not the only SG team in your reality that's actively searching for a cure to the plague. No. Nice little mood lighting, mm -hmm. glow of the computers. <laughs> she stopped being my Samantha a long time ago. Yes, but why are you here? Let's <laughs> <laughs> ensure your continuous survival by shaking. Aww. Uh -huh. Hey, up. <laughs> We're not having any of this. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I have completed the calibrations. Don't mind me. Thank you, Vasir. Vasir, his name is. Don't forget the K. I'll check with Yak. It makes you wonder if they were actually relieved that they didn't kiss. Mm. It would open up a big can of worms. General, sorry to disturb you. I was wondering if I could have a word. Of course, Doctor. Come in. Yeah, hard decision he's got to make. I mean, every SG-1 team comes through have got their own problems. Sir, I would like to make a request on behalf of all of the teams stranded in this reality. Please, postpone this mission until we can find a way to get home. I can't do that. We need our teams out there gathering intel on the Ori threat. But you, you really do have to put your own reality first. And that won't be possible until this problem is dealt with. While I can empathize, sir, believe me, I think you need to take a look at the bigger picture. This goes beyond this world, beyond this 
galaxy, this universe. Hundreds of billions of lives are at stake. Their survival could hinge on not just our return, but the return of every SG-1 stranded on this base. Sir, back in my universe, Earth is facing a global pandemic. One that your planet has already faced and beaten. Yes, so we're better than you, obviously. Yep. The weak will perish. And give us the cure and we'll take it home. Yes. <laughs> my priorities are with this world. How can you prioritize the lives of one group over those of another? Because, you know, 6.999 billion people on Earth wouldn't believe in an alternate reality anyway. Top minds from 18 different worlds. 18 Carters now? Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, Doctor. Yes, poor Prometheus. Always orbiting the Earth. Well, better than getting blown in half by an RA super weapon. <laughs> This was actually the first day of shooting for this episode. Very, very hard day because the crew were mostly inexperienced at this type of filming. Mm -hmm. And also the cast weren't familiar with all the, all the work as well. Yes, die warnings. And now? So if this plan goes foobar, we're the only ones that go down with the ship? Well, there's plenty more where we came from, right? Yep. The perilous nature of this mission should not be taken lightly. There is a chance that the Prometheus may not survive this voyage. But courage and a steadfast resolve will prove the most valuable assets in this undertaking. I'm off. Well, good luck to you all. <laughs> Bye. Good luck. I miss Thor. He's a lot more talkative than Thor. Yes. He's a bullshit artist. You're all gonna die, but I'm not gonna be joining you. Actually got around to drinking that orange juice. He'd have been sitting in the back of the fridge for what? A month? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. He was so damn thirsty, he knocked it right back. It was a second or two before he actually breathed in. And what? A spit take of all spit takes. There was orange juice on the table, the chairs. Oh, that Emma! That Emma! Oh, oh. big old fat Emma sitting across the table. Little bits of bacon on her face, orange juice dripping off her nose. Now this orange juice story actually happened. To Joseph's dad. <laughs> it came in from mowing the lawn one day, and they have fresh squeezed orange juice, and nobody liked the pulp, so the pulp ended up sitting in the fridge for two weeks. And I said, This is actually what Ben Browd is like in reality. He would love his own company. You can understand the reasoning why they didn't have a crew on board, but it does seem a bit strange. You've got enough Carters and everybody to run the entire ship. Well, Carter managed to run her own with a concussion. Yeah. It'll be too late. And that was the scene where they was planning to have them pay hold hands. Yes, the music's changed tempo a little. Mm -hmm. It sounds evil. Yeah, a little bit more intense. Showtime. Good guy music, bad guy music. Mm. <laughs> Again, there's no facial hair to differentiate good and evil. No. Well, no, I think it was Sam with facial hair. <laughs> yeah. Well, Sam is one thing, you know, Teal, Daniel, Cameron. It would probably have been a bit too blatant, although they do reference it in the episode. I know, obviously, the armory is going to be secured, but you think in an emergency you wouldn't have to rely on the bridge to open it. Or at least stand around waiting for somebody on the bridge to open the security door. Come on, fake Sam, do your stuff. The boys are waiting. Like kids at Christmas. 
Zacons? Please tell me Zacons. Zats. How sensible to have Zats. I hope they dropped you off on Atlantis. You know, I don't even know if I've ever seen a Zat in SGA. It's been so useful in the early, in the first season at the very least. Mm -hmm. walk on, Ray. Why are you standing there? <laughs> oh, I'm up. <laughs> We've reached the target location. Yeah, I heard. Yeah, I think they're just circling, looking for parking. His reactions are fantastic there. It's almost as if he, you know, he figured out something was wrong. <laughs> oh. Oh, baby. <laughs> Hose line. And they were actually keeping a running tilt of how many, not running tilt, <laughs> a running count of how many times Tilk has hit Cameron in, in the show so far. And this was the fifth time. Oh. I'm sorry, broken jaw at the very least. Easier, yes, but far less gratifying. <laughs> You've got a feeling that Tilk isn't overly keen on Cameron. No. <laughs> or at least his Cameron. I've been waiting for an opportunity to take out my rage against you. <laughs> What's going on? There's been a change of flight plans. Hang on a minute, was she in the reverse shot there? Possibly. Yes, that looks exactly like a high security detention cell, doesn't it? And not a redressed armory at all. I know they've got to save money, but they could have done a little better job on this. We're making an unscheduled detour. Yeah, and just how far out of our way is this little detour going to take us? About three weeks. You're planning on taking this ship to Atlantis? Where else would you go, really, in three weeks? You'd have thought... Our Cameron would have figured that out as well, but then again. <laughs> I know the Daedalus can make it in three weeks, but no, the Prometheus could. Well, when she had to eject her, her warp core, if you will, <laughs> they, maybe the Asgard refitted her with something a bit more powerful. <laughs> Ideas, anyone? Given the unique circumstance we find ourselves in, it is possible to anticipate their actions and reactions. All we must do is think like them. Well, it shouldn't be that hard. <laughs> and this is a callback, of course, to Prometheus Unbound when Daniel put the camera in so he could spy on Valor on the loo. Why are they Smart. going to Atlantis? They don't indicate how long they've been in flight. Hmm. The other Colonel Mitchell wishes to speak with you. He's probably realising that he doesn't really like himself. You're just going to ignore him for the next three weeks? That would be a big yes, by the looks of it. Now, that's a nice view. You really need to push him, Tilk, seriously. You guys seem reasonable, and you haven't hurt us much. Yet. You don't have beard, so you're not from the evil twin universe, right? <laughs> there isn't even a mark on his face, is there? Yeah, I think Tilk's slamming his forehead against the steel ball. You, mi you missed the beard reference there. Yeah, you, you might as well tell him now. Yeah, the cat's already out of the bag. Yeah. What's going on? Let me ask you something. How far would you go to save the lives of every man and woman on Earth? Don't bother. I already know the answer. If you were in my situation, you'd be doing the exact same What, thing. going after the ZPM? And that's one of the reasons why you can't criticize anybody in this episode. They're all doing stuff for their own reality. They're not doing it for personal profit or revenge or anything like that. They're doing it for a particular reason that every member of the SGC would understand. 
perhaps they could give coordinates mm. to some of the planets they know as EPMs on. Maybe in their reality, they still exist. The inconvenience of schlepping back and forth on the depth. Schlepping. <laughs> You've got to admire, though, the, the lengths they're going to. Mm. I mean, where did they come up with this idea to visit another reality? This galaxy is the next target. If the Wraith return. If they attack. If the city is destroyed, the threat we face is more immediate. That still doesn't give you the right to do this. Uh-huh. Well, say it works. Say that you can beam the ZPM off Atlantis. How do you plan to get it back to your own universe? <laughs> Light bulb. You have a way back. Yeah, it's a bit pointless, wouldn't it, if it was on a one-way trip? Plan this all along. They've always had a way back. They're SG-1. No, Tilk. Tilk, don't kill him! Now, if my memory serves, I didn't figure this out first time of watching it. And if I did a good job, you nobody noticed the uh, edit there. Well, I was assuming you did a good job. Mm. Although the shove through the door is played well. Well, we were right. They're going after the ZPM. It's a good job SG-1 have been together quite a long time. <laughs> One toilet in that room. Yeah. <laughs> you sure you can open the door? Hey, I helped build this thing. Opening the door is the easy part. It's taking the ship back, but it'll be tricky. Oh, ouch, ouch. Okay, perhaps the security of this ship should be improved slightly. Well, again, as she said, she built it. She knows how to yeah. do everything. So she is the opposite of Kyle Reese. She did build the effing thing. <laughs> Daniel and I will head to the engine room and pull the control crystal. Once they come to investigate the problem, we'll get the drop on them there. Very well. To the Batmobile. They should have handles on those lifts, just as in Star Trek. I've got a sneaking suspicion that's the same corridor. Possibly. Looks like it. <laughs> yeah. Same and door. The same door they just escaped from. <laughs> Changed a few uh, labels over. <laughs> yes. Think about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Oh, but you did not expect that. Mm. I know I would. So now that we know how you get out, we'll just have to make sure it doesn't happen again. <laughs> Look at that grin. Payback <laughs> <laughs> <Hey>, time. <laughs> no hitting. <laughs> so while we were up here, we were down on the next level breaking into the other armory. <laughs> you don't see Tilt grinning that much these days, do you? <laughs> if we were in your position, we would have done the same thing. Now, let me get this straight. We figured that you guys would try to escape and we set this trap for you. Not realizing that you'd figure out that we'd figure you out and you said you're wrong. Thinking alike. We thought you'd do this, so we've done this. <laughs> Indeed. Now, can you take us to our Colonel Mitchell? Hmm. Yes. Who wrote this script? Come on. <laughs> Yeah, but this time the MIBs are the bad guys. <laughs> they had a, a long discussion if Cameron should be wearing his pants or not. He insisted he wears his boots, though. Yeah. <laughs> How did he get the pants off then? I'm not even going to question it. I wonder if he put anything extra down the front of his shorts. <laughs> Is there a rat worst in there just to make it feel better? He has it in his contract. <laughs> 
Good to hear from you, Colonel. I take it the mission was a success. Uh, no, sir. In fact, we're scrapping the mission and heading back home. Colonel? Sir, I think I figured out a way to send these teams back to their proper realities. And how do we do that? By doing exactly the same thing the first team did in order to get here. Good. Has she figured this out by herself, or did they give Cameron a little hint? Yes, sir. It accounts for the boom you heard and the extra energy signature the gate diagnostic picked up in the first matter stream. They opened the wormhole through the black hole and then blasted a bridge into this universe. Isn't that how Carter described it? I don't know. I just remember wormhole, black hole, blast. The boom. Ali technical term. Boom today. No boom tomorrow. <laughs> yes. Oh, he's back. Yep, he is. So who's the guy in yellow helmet? Bob the Builder. <laughs> it's not our typical gate tech, so... Nice to see Siler back. Dan Shea. He's been doing a little work on Arrow. To PX7455. Now when Sergeant Siler is finished, we'll fire the directed energy weapon through the gate. The stare of the Asgard. <laughs> Probably better than the stare that Hermia gave him on the Prometheus. It's been reversed. We'll dial those different points of origin and create wormholes that will follow the inter-universal pathways already created by their initial trips I got here. it, I got it. They're going back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> His brain started to shut down at that point. Ready when you are, sir. Clear the game, bro. I will need the weapon back once your work here is completed. It is, after all, only on loan to you. Temporarily. I know. You'll get it back when we're done. <laughs> we're only lending it yet. <laughs> and they probably had to sign for it as well. In triplicate? Yeah. Fire the weapon! Did it work? I don't feel any different. We're still here. I mean, that scene was shot by Martin Wood. Again, making use of any of the directors that had a few hours to spare. It worked. Open the blast doors. Bring them in. Okay, lads, get him. <laughs> well, judging by the amount of guns, I don't think they trust them. And why is Tilt grinning? You've lost. He was asked part by the best, I guess. Hey, Mitchell. When the time comes, cut the green one. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Credit for that goes to Damien Kindler. Now, the idea is that it means a wire, but as you said in the commentary, what if it meant an alien? What the hell is that, man? I don't know. I have a feeling someday you're going to find out. <laughs> and if you don't, it'll be annoying fans for years. Right. And the Martouf team now. Yep. Well, I guess we have a time, or at least a good farewell, finally. So, was it always the plan to have both of the dead people on the same team? He never said if the plan was the same team, but they're definitely going to have both the actors. It was nice working with you again, Sam. The president has been sorely missed on our team. Just out of curiosity, where did I go? Maternity leave. Oh, and they dropped another bombshell, maternity leave. <laughs> yes. Who's the father? We're not going to tell you. We have something for you. Not very impressive. The cure to the That's a big box for a small item. Yeah, it actually looks like a pair of sat-navs. Yeah, <laughs> you're expecting test tubes or something, you know, formula. Well, they had quite a few vials in there. Mm -hmm. It's good to see you again. You too. Oh, there's too much motion now. That's <laughs> <laughs> one big teddy bear. <laughs> I like the black, the camo gear works very well. May it not be the last time. Mm-hmm. She looks well in it. 
Now, do you think they've, they've said goodbye to every single SG team? <laughs> this has been going on for days. Well, that was a rather special team. Mm. Yeah, I guess so. And that was Ripple Effect. Very enjoyable Season 9 episode. Indeed. And you get the impression, like I said, it was intended to be a bottle show, but it probably did spend a little bit more money on it than they intended. I wouldn't have thought Terrell or JR would have been cheap. Mm-hmm. A little bit of maybe fan service, you could say, in that of a few people. They might have done it for a scale. I doubt that somehow. Okay, then. That was Ripple Effect, Season 9, Episode 13 of SG-1. And next week, we return to Atlantis for the episode Critical Mass. Okay. At the time of recording, we do not have a guest for that episode. In fact, it wasn't for Brad and Thomas. We won't be having many guests for this season <laughs> at all. <laughs> you ever going to get Scott back on here? Tricky, because Scott is 10 hours behind me. Yeah, he's um, what, in Arizona, New Mexico? Yeah, he's in Arizona. It's very hard to arrange a time that isn't either really early for him or really late for me. Kind of hard to get. Basically, I haven't actually, I've barely typed at Scott in the past four months. I mean, we can try. He just moved recently, so he, I'm just waiting for him to get settled. We look at it, well, I mean, I do. I don't know if Alan agrees. And we leave it up to anybody, you know, asks us to actually come on. We don't go around saying to people on the podcast. I don't think we can stop Brad if, if he decides he wants to join us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to. If he wants to, you know, if he wants to get up in the wee hours of his day to join us and we are recording at that time, then bless him. We would like a bit more variety. Anybody out there fancies joining us, just drop us an email or a tweet and we'll sort something out. Jack? Daniel? Are you you? Yeah, you. What? I like the yellow ones. Never mind. We have a handful of Stargate-related birthdays this week, beginning on the 24th of March with Michelle Harrison, who played an assistant in the SD-1 episode Absolute Power, and then was Rachel in the Stargate Universe episode Visitation. She's recently been in Continuum and Arctic Air. On the 27th, Richard D. Clerk has his birthday. He played Dominic in the SG-1 episode Rites of Passage and Joe in the SG-1 episode One False Step and has also appeared on Andromeda, Cedar Cove and The Listener. Darcy Laurie will be celebrating on the 28th. He played Ermin Dunning in nine episodes of Stargate Universe and also Tassan in the SG-1 episode Babylon and the Cave Dweller in The First Commandment. He's recently been in Continuum and Arrow. Finally, on the 29th, the one and only Marina Sirtis has her birthday. Best known for her long-running role as Counselor Diana Troy on Star Trek TNG, we know her as Dr. Svetlana Markov in the SG-1 episode Watergate. She has recently appeared on NCIS and voiced Young Justice and Adventure Time. There are many more birthdays in the upcoming week, Keep your eyes on any of our portals for updates as and when they occur. On the feedback front, we had a few snippets about last week's Atlantis episode Epiphany on our Facebook group. Lee Montgomery kicked it off. Stick Cam. Angie Dransfield. Malp on a Stick. Love it. And Thomas Shot. Too bad we don't see the Malp on a Stick again. On another thread, Thomas also posted, We get Kinos, eventually. And Brad Moore finished off. Technically, they're already being invented, laugh out loud. Yes, it seems Malponistic may be the highlight of last week's show. It seemed to strike a chord with our listeners. Brad sent us in a voicemail, so let's play that. 
Greetings, Alan and Mike. Brad here again with some feedback for the upcoming episode of the Gatecast entitled Ripple Effect. Wasn't it good to see Janet back? It's been two years since she left us, but Peril slipped straight back into the shoes and it was good to see her back. As well as Martouf. Oh, it must be five years at least since he went. It was good to see they brought back two characters that we lost. And now to be the Debbie Downer. Quite frankly, I'd prefer to go back and watch Emancipation or Ergo over this one, especially if Terrell and Martouf didn't turn up. The plot is so convoluted, doesn't make a lot of sense, and its resolution at the end is pretty ludicrous. Definitely one of the lowest rated episodes of the series. And the whole second SG-1 team trying to get to Atlantis to get a ZPM, but just, yeah... I don't know what to say about it. I'll let this make up the outline. So, um, yeah, I'll just some quick thoughts on the ripple effect, and I'll talk to you all later. Bye-bye. Right then. It was probably good that Brad didn't join us for the recording of Ripple Effect. I don't think it's that bad, but no denying they pretty much pulled the technical side of the story out of a hat to allow them to venture into the realm of split-screen, body double, and state-of-the-art motion control. In this case, the technical side of the episode eclipses the story apart from, as Brad says, the return of Terrell Roffrey and J.R. Bourne. OK, that's it for this week. Reviews and ratings on iTunes and Stitcher are most welcome. Feedback via any means makes our day. And if you do want to make us happy, then there are plenty of ways to get in touch. You can send us email via gatecastpodcast at gmail.com or visit the contact form on gatecast.co.uk. We are also on Facebook and Google+. Do a search for Gatecast and we are on Twitter, at the Gatecast, which is one word. We can be found on iTunes and Stitcher under Gatecast or via a general Stargate search in their podcast directories. Any feedback via those sources will help us enormously. Okay then, folks, that was Ripple Effect. I hope you enjoyed the show. I think we all had a good time. Any last thoughts about the episodes, lads? It's fun seeing all the old characters. As I said in the episode, it's amazing how much more evil some stubble makes J.R. Bourne look. You know, I watched Team Wolf not two weeks ago, and the clean-shaven Martouf looks a lot more sort of pure than the uh, stubbly screwed up. I think they had shadows under his eyes as well for Team Wolf. He's a lot more menacing, isn't he? Well, he's meant to be. <laughs> Especially when you're tempted to date his daughter. Yeah. Or not, or not <laughs> dating his daughter and then having his daughter sort of... <laughs> High school life, American style. My school wasn't like that. I don't even think mine was. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything. Fair enough. Various things occurred to me to say there, but none of them were even faintly appropriate. In fact, none of my, most of my thoughts were beyond NC-17. Okay, then, next week, Critical Mass. I hope you join us for that. Until then, though, I've been Mike. I've been Alan. This is Thomas. Bye-bye, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to The Gatecast, hosted by Alan and Mike. Join us at gatecast.co.uk. Stargate forever.